Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have smart discussion with experts, thought leader, and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation, and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, today is really a big pleasure. I have Jeff Sheehan with me. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Gregorio. How are you? Buongiorno. Good. Thank you very much. And I'm going to really appreciate this discussion. It's really a big, big pleasure because I was reading your book and now I can talk with you. I can discuss about your book with you. But uh, before we start discussing about your book and the European Customer Experience Organization, perhaps you could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you for, for the book. Uh, Uh, for reading the book and and uh, I know we've we've shared some comments and you seem to be enjoying it so thank you for that that uh, that means a lot to me um yeah so so I am an american living in dublin now a few years and um I've been working in a customer service a variety of customer service roles uh for the last 25 years and um you know if I really found my niche in this customer experience management um aspect of of uh of the industry where really all of my experience with sales service delivery um uh support desk and help desk and technology and digital transformation and management consulting all of those things sort of combining now at a at a, at a point in my work where um I find it very very applicable to customer experience management um the book is just something I've always wanted to do and it also happens to be about uh this customer experience topic that <clears throat> I feel very very passionate about and um yeah so so I uh, actually have been uh, working in the customer services realm for quite some time and um uh have always enjoyed that so great thank you for the short introduction um perhaps also to start uh, to start a bit the discussion Um, you mentioned in an, another interview something really interesting. You said that you started writing a LinkedIn article and then it came out to be a book. <laughs> How was it possible? Well, you know, it's a great question because I, I had read a couple of articles by a gentleman named David Jocks, who is a Canadian living in Hong Kong. <clears throat> and he's a great guy. David and I have become friends. But he talked in one of his articles about CX programs being holistic and integrated. And that was one of the few things I was reading. And there's obviously so much literature out there about customer experience. Um, some of it's very sort of uh, grand and lofty and platitudes kind of oriented. And, and some of it is also very specific and, and very pinpoint specific. But David's uh, article was one of the first I'd read about it being holistic and integrated. So I was starting to write an article with some ideas generated from, from things I had been reading and, and thinking about. And then, um, and then the quarantine stuff started to happen here in Ireland. So uh, two things sort of happened at the same time, coincidentally. One was I had something to say and I started writing and I kept writing. And then I had time to convert all this thinking and writing into something uh, more organized into a book. Um, so the two came together and, and, and here we have a book. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so what I thought was just, it wasn't just take the idea of, um, what to do, but turn it into a, how to do it kind of a, a proposition and, uh, wrote the book very much in the, along the lines of, 
if you are stuck trying to figure out how to do something in your CX program, this is a reference uh, that you can go to and get some ideas and some frameworks that you, you can you know, make your own, bring it into your organization and, and, and you know, sort of modify them to make them fit into, what, what, into your world. And uh, very, very, very nice story. And let's say it's a bit a similar story that I had because at the end, it's also quarantine started in Switzerland not as such in other European countries, but I was a bit more lazy than you because I said, I want to, to, to talk with six experts. And during the, the COVID, the first lockdown of COVID, I started my, my podcast, the CX Goalkeeper, because I said, I don't want to sit in front of the television and watch television every evening. Let's have nice discussion like today with you. And then it started and I got passionate about it. And now I am already having the, I don't know, the 30, 30 35th discussion with you. Wow. And, and, and therefore it's, it's, it's really interesting. And coming back um, to your background, you said um, from the USA coming to Europe and perhaps also discussing about the European Customer Experience Organization. What does the European Customer Experience Organization mean to you? Well, um, a couple of things, really. Uh, so, so in my uh, becoming more European process, right, um, you know, it's one of the things that, that I experienced moving to Ireland is, you know, America is a great big market with 330 million people. And, um, and it's so much of our CX storytelling uh, or the examples in so many uh, CX stories come from the U.S. You know, it's Apple, Zappos, um, Disney, uh, USAA, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so one of the things I personally experienced is how much smaller and more fragmented the European marketplace is. Now, I know at the, the European Union as a block is the third largest economic block on the planet, um, but individually, uh, and culturally, because you know, customer experience involves cultural dimensions, uh, you know, as well. Um, I found that uh, the ECXO helped me understand the collective uh, European sort of uh, thinking around uh, customer experience management, but also individual markets. You know, I had a conversation last week with a gentleman in Finland. Uh, who is uh, the leading CX uh, expert in Finland. And uh, it was a fascinating conversation and I'm thrilled, you know, I was thrilled to meet the guy and have this conversation. But that's a market that's so much different than the US. So I think it's very, very important that the ECXO uh, helps find those examples in other markets where uh, let's say there's something in Finland that could be taken advantage of in uh, Bulgaria or Ireland or uh, Germany, what have you. Um, I, I think that is, a, is, I think giving voice to that is really, really important. Because there's people like yourself in Switzerland and all over these European countries that are doing amazing work and probably not getting the kind of visibility and attention that um, other people in your industry or doing the kind of work you're doing might benefit from. And I think the ECXO raising the attention to what, what's going on in Europe collectively um, around CX is, is, a, is a really great idea. So that really drew me in. Um, and um, yeah, no one else uh, raised their hand to, to be the ambassador here in Ireland. And, and I, I just jumped on that opportunity as soon as I heard about it. 
Uh, and I think it's 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 really a great uh, opportunity, perhaps also to make that understandable. There are the opportunity to, to be a member, and it's free of charge of being a member. I will share the link uh, in the in the podcast notes. But what is the role of an, an ambassador in Ireland like you? Yeah, great question. And um, I think first I want to clarify that the ECXO is not. You don't have to subscribe, right? There's no. You don't have to pay. You don't have to take a test or, or study or anything like that to become a member. It's not a, a qualification. What it is, is a community of CX practitioners. It's a community that uh, if you have questions or challenges or you just want to network with folks that are doing similar work in maybe a similar size market or a similar industry in a similar size market, et cetera, um, the ECXO is, is, is established to create and provide that community. Um, as an ambassador, your job is really to encourage membership in the country that you're the ambassador of. So here in Ireland, roughly five and a half million people, I don't know how many CX uh, practitioners that would that that we have here, but it's it's quite prevalent. You know, the the the, the Irish economy, a lot of prominent companies are uh, have their, their European headquarters here in, in Ireland. Um, and um, and so CX is alive and well, and there's quite a number of CX consulting firms as well as the big uh, accounting firms that have uh, uh, or big manage, management consulting firms that have their CX practices. So there's plenty of work here in the Irish economy. But the job is basically create awareness and encourage people to join and uh, and also to provide your own sort of thought leadership and articles and writing and and uh, 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 that kind of stuff to to the, the ECXO platform. Thank you very much, Jeff, for this uh, great explanation. It makes understandable for us members. Fully disclosure, I'm a member of the European Customer Experience uh, Organization. What are you doing as ambassador? What are your duties? And what I really like is you mentioned earlier that we have also great example in Europe about customer experience doing in, in the right way. And in our pre-discussion in the last meeting, you mentioned one example from Russia. And perhaps could you share this, this example with us? Yeah, so um, I, I, I came on this, I came upon this example uh, because I'm a judge in a European customer centricity awards program, which is the first time I've ever done that. And I, I highly recommend it. It's it's a pretty eye-opening experience to read so many case studies written by the people, the CX leaders in the organizations. It's just some amazing work that's going on out there. And there's one story that stuck out in my mind, as we, as, as you mentioned, we talked about it the other day. Uh, it was from a, a Russian steel manufacturer who had, had done a, a customer-focused uh, digital transformation of an industry that is normally not known for uh, uh, transformational change. <laughs> you know, it's a no, no offense to anyone who, who works in the steel business, but you know, it's a pretty commoditized, dirty, old-fashioned business model of making you know big rolls of steel and big you know things out of steel. But they um, they converted uh, their business by starting to focus on customers, and 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 what they essentially did is transform their business model into not just making steel, but making products and services to help people buying steel. And uh, you know, I won't go into too much uh, detail uh, on that, but, but, it, but it opened my eyes to just how transformative a CX program can be. It's, it's, it was certainly well beyond doing little things to change a score 
right? That was that was not even part of it. It was doing uh, big things around defining customer centricity and reinventing their business, um, all centered around what do customers want? How can we better serve customers? And I, I just I just thought if you can do that in the steel industry, there's really no limit to what a CX leader can do, uh, or what CX leadership can do uh, to an organization. So um, I know that was probably a little vague, and I didn't name names, but um, I, th I think that's okay. It was just an example of something that um, really, really caught my attention uh, at just how profound the the impact was to to a a business you wouldn't think would be so impacted by becoming customer focused. I think that's that's clear, and even if it was an high level explanation, it make understandable for all of us six professionals. Uh, not that it's, it's not relevant in which industry you are working. We are in the business and we have customers and we need to serve that the customer at the best that we can because there are quite a lot of opportunities. And even if you are um, in a monopolic situation, at the end you have customer and, and therefore you need to, to create these uh, this, this experiences. Yeah. And, and I think also um, coming to, to your book, Customer Experience Management, Field Manual, The Guide for Building Your Top Performing Six program, written by you, Jeff Sheehan. And, <laughs> and I think I need to complain, but not with you. I will complain with my, with my wife because I need a bigger desk because this book needs to stay on my desk. This is not something that I will read once and put in the back with all the other business books that I have or university books, but it's something that I really enjoy reading because these are shorter chapters and it's something that you can read, quickly read, understand. It's, it's really understandable. And then it will stay on my desk because if I need something, I need an idea, I can quickly skip through all the chapters and I can, I can find out what is relevant or to get an idea how to proceed with the customer experience transformation or with one specific topic around customer experience. Before we deep dive into the different chapters, I think there is also a nice story behind how you created that. And to say also how it's really the CX communities working together, helping each other. Could you please share how you created this book? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, first of all, thank you so much. That's a very uh, lovely compliment. And, and I appreciate that, uh, Gregorio. Um, yeah, so, so when I got the idea, I was writing this article, and then I got the idea to write a book. I did some research on CX books. And when you know that there's a lot of CX books out there, there's dozens and dozens, right? <laughs> some are recent and some have been around for, for a number of years. Uh, and I thought, geez, you know, two things. Uh, what am I going to write about that hasn't already been written to death about, right? And and then how do how will my book stand out from these other books that are you know all very good in their own right? And the the answer I came up with is uh, I would I would take advantage of my uh, previous career I, when I when I graduated university I went into the U.S. Army for ten years, and in the military in the U.S. military uh, uh, we use <clears throat> field manuals to provide instruction to those. All kinds of things, right? Whether it's um, you know how to set up a, a, a kitchen in the field, or how to park aircraft in uh, the desert, or you know how to write a, an operational plan for you know a beach 
uh, a, a seaborne, you know, invasion, I mean, all kinds of things have field manuals, big things and, and, and smaller, more specific things. So I thought I would sort of take advantage of the military background and, and use a field manual format, which was very, very useful for the kind of writing that I, I, I intended to do, which was just what you described, that it's a desktop reference. You can you can read the book from cover to cover, but you don't have to. You can just open it right up to the section that it, 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 where you have a question or you're curious and read the examples and the frameworks and you know whatever's in there and uh, get what you need, close the book and refer to it later. It's you know for something else. I, I dreaded the idea that I was gonna write a book that would just end up on a shelf <laughs> and not be useful. Um, and uh, gosh, I forgot the other part of your question. Sorry. Uh, how did you create this this book? You you I followed you several times, and I think this is the topic around how really the six communities working together. Yeah. So so um, I had never written a book before, and so I I, be, I was very much a, a student of the process of writing a book. And one of the steps I took advantage of is called beta reader, uh, you, where you find people to come and really critique your book at some developmental stage of the of the manuscript. And so I decided I would do that. I had written a pretty good manuscript, I thought. I invited a bunch of people to, to have a look and give me their feedback. And about 40 people actually did. And they're all, you know, very experienced uh, uh, CX people that, whose names you would recognize, I'm sure. And um, I got some amazing feedback. And the book is much, much better because I asked for feedback and which, you know, CX people like to like to give feedback. <laughs> and I got a bunch of it and it really did uh, shift the book in so many ways. I, I, for example, I got it organized better. I got the chapters were shorter. Um, things were rearranged in the right order that uh, all kinds of detailed things. And, and um, I was very, very appreciative. But but these were people I didn't know. I, I solicited 143 people around the world I just asked them, would you, would you mind looking at my manuscript and tell me what you think? And 40 people I don't know who are all CX people around the world. I mean, Hungary, Canada, uh, Hong Kong, uh, UK, the US, um, Latin America, a couple of Mexico was one place. Um, um, Panama was another place. <laughs> I mean, all over the place, uh, South Africa. Uh, I got feedback and I was... Of course, the feedback was great, and I, I put that into the book. In in in, in most cases, uh, in nearly all cases, I incorporated something that I, I got. But what I learned, and what was so much more important to me, was this incredible community that's out there. The whole global CX community is really, really impressive. Very generous, very willing to listen and share. Very willing to interact. Uh, you know, ask you questions and things like that. So um, it really made me feel very. Uh, I was very happy to be myself a part of this community and, um, and, uh, but also to just, to just uh, experience how much uh, support you can get from complete strangers, just because we're all in the same sort of CX uh, realm. Um, so that was, that was really an unexpected uh, consequence of asking for help. Um, was to, to really learn firsthand how generous and incredible the CX community is. And anyone listening to this podcast, I would encourage you that if you haven't engaged a bigger community in CX, um, do it. 
because you'll what you'll get back is is so much more than than you probably expected. Um, that was what happened to me. I think sharing is, is caring, and I know that it's something that we repeat all the times. But this is really what I enjoy from the Seeds community: is this we support each other to achieve something that we think about to achieve our vision of this customer-centered transformation. And it's not only about having epic customer, but it's really also we are in the business and therefore we understand also the importance of the return on investment and all this stuff. Uh, basically what you, uh, you said, you applied something like design thinking, you started creating your prototypes and you shared that with, uh, with, uh, with customers and the yeah. customer gave you feedbacks. And basically one part that it's, it can be also interesting is what is your target audience? Yeah, the target audience. So the beta readers, I was very strategic and I said, I want the toughest, most experienced audience I can find to, to have a look at my manuscript and really challenge what I was writing. Because I thought if I can get, if I can, if I can appeal to that audience, then I have something pretty good. If they, if they tear it apart and tell me it's, it's crap, well, then I guess I'll go back to the drawing board. But the audience, the target audience is uh, generally folks that are either creating a new CX program and they just want a sort of guidebook with ideas to start you know, a, a, a CX program and what that, you know, what are the parts that would be involved with that program and so forth. And then, you know, sort of how to, how to do each of those parts. So, so starting a new CX program is, is one uh, audience looking at an existing CX program to either expand it, to do more things or mature it, to do things better, or to just improve it in some way, just looking for ideas to, to sort of have another, perspective on on doing uh, what, what what they're currently doing and uh you know it's really uh, the feedback i'm getting it was really intended for people that are haven't been in in the business 25 years or 35 years etc but for folks that are in a sort of uh newer cohort of cx manager or head of cx and um so i you know i don't really have much feedback from from uh, in terms of like where in a career you know, people are, are finding it, but it was, it was written with really just sort of starting new or, or, or want to, you know, upgrade. It's a field manual. I think everybody can profit from, from, from this, uh, this, uh, this book. And before I share my preferred chapter, perhaps, which was your preferred chapter or is a chapter that you remember and you say, this uh, stand out from my personal point of view. Yeah, so um, it's a great. It's like picking your favorite child, right? It's a hard question <laughs> for me to answer. But I think I think there were two chapters that really um, I, I was very focused on. I just just the feeling I had uh, uh, about writing them was 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 significant, and, and so I'll I'll choose them from that. One was the the mission chapter, where this idea of really being intentional, building your CX program to do something specific. Um, too often, CX programs <clears throat> are really are just reduced to being um, uh, surveys and scores. And so having a more um, clarified mission was, was, was something that was uh, uh, really important to me to write about. Um, it fit my management consulting background, and it also, um, also some, some, some field experience I had where we were working, I was working in a CX program that wasn't really quite clear about what the goal was. Like we really weren't sure we could answer 
the question of like, what is this intended to do? And so that was a that was interesting. I think my favorite chapter though is the um, uh, the chapter on uh, customer understanding. Um, I had a very clear image for that chapter illustration, which is a sort of old timey, you know, listening post kind of a picture. Um, but what I, the reason I would say it was my favorite is because I took a holistic start to finish approach to voice of the customer understanding, customer understanding, that it wasn't just listening and learning, but there was also action to take. And, and I, I created a thing called, a, I call it the Mickey Mouse chart where, you know, the voice of the customer program is really three uh, interconnected uh, bits of, of work, you know, listening part, which uh, surveys and things like that, the understanding part, or, or sorry, I call it learning, which is not just to understand what the, what the, what the feedback is saying, but to really understand, you know, the, the complete picture, the, the emotion, the process, the offering, all those things involved. And then the action step. Okay, so now that I know all this, so what? What do I do? You know, how do I create a gearbox to take action in the organization, especially when that action isn't under my control, right? The authority for that action might belong to somebody else who might say, not interested because I have other, you know, priorities. So how, how do you handle that? So it was, it's, I think the longest chapter in the book, uh, it's, I think it's pretty comprehensive, but um, what I try to do is balance some technical stuff with some leadership stuff so that those three, uh, um, the three legs of that stool, uh, listening, learning, and acting are, you know, at least make sense, you know, that, that, um, I, and I found it to be an area where a lot of folks had challenges where like, okay, I did this, we spent a lot of money on a great tool and a lot more money on integrating other tools to get operational and experiential data combined. We generate, we do a lot of work to generate insights. And when we give the business those insights, they don't do anything with it. I feel like I'm not really contributing, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you fix that? Uh, so that chapter has some information around that as well. So it, it totally makes sense. And uh, basically I know I'm also sharing my preferred chapter, yeah. but perhaps it's also in the phase that I am, but I really enjoyed the chapter synchronized watches <laughs> because, <laughs> because I think, and it's something that I was also discussing with all the six professionals. Uh, companies are discussing about well, let's create strategy and then we need a CX strategy and then you have six months to implement that and the, this chapter chapter is really short but clearly explains that there are tactical steps but and there are strategic steps and I think we and I'm not saying companies I'm saying we also six professional we are always mixing up tactical steps with really the strategy behind that. And therefore, for me, it really stand out this chapter to think about what I am doing in a tactical way to get the budget, the resources, and everything I need to continue with my customer experience transformation compared to let's create a strategy, a vision, what we want to achieve in future. And therefore, that was what uh, really stand out for me. And I was really thinking, yeah. and I never read about it in a book in such a way that it was really clear focus on the two different levels. And therefore it, it's, it stood out for me. <laughs> oh, wow. That's terrific. I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, thank you for the, uh, for the feedback. And, uh, and I, and honestly, it's rare that you read something in a business book 
or CX uh, book that talks about that dimension of culture, which is time, right? If you're in a startup and there's a pace to do, 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 um, or if you're in a very mature company where there's a much different pace to sort of examine and have the meeting about the meeting about the meeting, you know, and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So, so really understanding, you know, what's tactical, what's strategic, how much time do I have, and the overall expectation of the CX program. Exactly. Uh, you know, some programs don't get a lot of runway to, 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 to prove their ROI. And, you know, some programs will have years to figure out, you know, how to do it. So I, I just wanted to take in that chapter, it was really designed to say, pay attention to this aspect of timing, because if you don't, someone else, surely someone else is. Yes. <laughs> and if you're not <laughs> delivering what they think you should as quickly as they think it should be delivered, um, you're going to hear about it. Uh, and so, so, you know, just factor it into your, your, your program. Thank you, Jeff. And I think we can uh, come to the next chapter, the last chapter of this, of this discussion, not of, of your book, because we could discuss about your book hours, days and weeks. But uh, perhaps at the end, I would ask two questions. The first one, is there a book that you say, I suggest to the audience to read this book? Clear, there is one preferred that you would suggest. We know which one it is. Then perhaps please suggest the second one. Yeah, so that's a great question. And um, one of the things that you'll see in, in the, I know you've seen it, uh, Gregorio, but I, I did a lot of research and I have about 60 or so references that in the footnotes, um, different articles and different books. The one book that stands out, I love this book because it's so enlightening and it's, it's, it's so close to how, you know, my own personal experience in, 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 in my 25 years of customer service uh, work. And the book is called The Best Service is no service by a fellow named Jaffe, and that's J-A-F-F-E, that's his last name. And I, I mentioned a lot in the book, um, and it, of course it's, it gets cited and all that, but, but it's a counterintuitive idea, and I love that. I love ideas that just sort of defy conventional wisdom, which is, which is to say, one of, one of the key concepts in, in, in the best service is no service, is the idea that a service call, a customer calling you for help, is a symptom of something broken upstream, right? And it could be your instructions are not clear. The bill isn't clear. Parts are missing in the kit that you sent me from the store to put my furniture together. Um, I went online and I got an email, but what they said would happen didn't happen. So if you, if you really start to look at those calls from your customers and the feedback you know, associated with those calls, You can start to find things upstream like uh, service and product design, and you can fix that. Or suppliers and manufacturing processes, you could, you could, you could fix that. Um, your own internal processes and systems and tools that may not work together, and you know, customers are frustrated about it. So that is a great book. I recommend everyone read it. It was published in 2008, so it's been around a while. And one of the authors, there are two authors. Um, one of them was the uh, head of customer service at Amazon. So, um, Price. yeah, yeah, Bill Price, uh, uh, Price and Jaffe, thank you. So, you know, quite a lot of experience uh, in, in that book and it's very easy to read and there's some great stuff there. 
Thank you, Jeff. I need to mention that I wrote in the customer experience three book, one chapter, and this is about the value irritant matrix. And therefore, I know very well this, this book because this is also my source. And, and I really enjoy this, this nine different steps there are that, that you are explaining. And I think there is a ton of value in this book written, as you said, in 2008, thinking about having this uh, already this know-how, this knowledge, or let's say wisdom, now 15, 20 years later with the technology opportunities that we have nowadays with all the data that we have, and also still with the human beings having the opportunities with these three enablers, technology, data, and human beings, you can do excellent stuff. And it's not always about automation, but it's about simplification about not having interaction with the customer is uh, if they are irritating for the customer and for the company mm -hmm. or leveraging these uh, these uh, these interactions if it brings value for both the customer and the company i really love that you mentioned that because it's also one of my preferred books and yeah. thank you very much for that coming to the really last question is the question that i always always ask is uh, Jeff, do you have something that we discussed or we didn't discuss that you would leave to the audience? This is Jeff Golden Nugget. My Golden Nugget. Um, here's what I would say. I wrote a book, uh, as I said earlier, uh, it was something I'd always wanted to do. And then it just sort of everything sort of came together and now it's done. I firmly believe that everyone has a book inside them waiting to be written. Uh, and so for me, the, the, you know, not only did I write a book, but I learned how books get made. And it's a very interesting thing to learn about. And, and there's a lot of you know, sort of stuff I never knew just a year ago, I didn't know. So I would say to the audience, my nugget is, if you have that book that you're dying to write, just get started. The process is really, really easy to turn a manuscript into a book for sale around the world on Amazon. Um, and there's plenty of help to do that. In fact, I, I, I even um, uh, I, I'm able to help self-publishing authors with with their, with their work. But write your book, create something. It's a bit of a legacy. It's got your name on it. Uh, some people will love it. Some people will like it. Some people won't. That's okay. Just launch it. You have something to say. Say it. Thank you very much, Jeff. And as usual, I'm not commenting your golden nugget because it was Jeff golden nugget. But I want to say. At the end, thank you very much for your time, Jeff. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Gregorio. I, I really appreciate, uh, you know, A, that you have uh, found the book interesting and useful and, and, uh, uh, and that you've invited me to your, your podcast. This is great. Thank you so much. It was a really a pleasure, and I hope that the audience also enjoyed this, this discussion as much as I did. And to, to close this discussion, first of all, the book Customer Experience Man Management, Phil Manuel, please buy this book, put it on your desk. I will ensure to you that you will use it, you will enjoy it because it's full of, of insights. The second thing I want to share is please don't forget, we are doing this podcast in collaboration to the European Customer Experience Organization. This is a huge opportunity for me and for the ambassadors to share their know-how and to spread the word of mouth to participate to the European Customer Experience Organization. It was really a great pleasure. Thank you very much. Grazie mille. Arrivederci. Grazie mille. Arrivederci. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. 
Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human environment. Thank you.